Good. Well, yes, we're a smaller group today. I saw a very poker from bank. And we were this morning, of course, for the Farsi service as well. But the Lord is with us. I always remember when I was uh, telling people uh, or encouraging them to come to a prayer meeting. And I said to the congregation, I said, so few people came to the prayer meeting last week that even Jesus didn't come. Because Jesus said wherever two or three and there was, there was one person there for the And I wanted to share with you today about seeing God. You remember that uh, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. But of course we live in a day when unfortunately millions of people have lost their faith in God. And they say, look, God cannot be seen, so he does not exist. There was a, an atheist uh, professor who was teaching a college class. And he told the students that he was going to prove to them that there was no God. And he says, God, if you're real, then you knock me off this platform. And I'm going to give you 15 minutes. Well, five minutes went by, nothing happened. Ten minutes went by. And he kept saying, Here I am, God, I'm still waiting. And there was just two minutes left. And one of the students at the back of the class, it was a big fellow, uh, he came forward and he punched this professor and knocked him off the path. And this professor got up and he was all shaking. He says, where did you come from? Why do you do it? And the student said, God was busy, he sent me. So how do we know that he is there? For many people, because he cannot be seen, yes, he does not exist. And it's interesting how that in this country we see more and more uh, people that are becoming much more vocal in the fact that they believe that there is no God. And this Professor Dawkins, who is an atheist, has just written another new book that was advertised in all the papers yesterday. 
tapel ierek duise te sê. And I think the problem is that when we as Christians we talk about faith, jef in kartsko wetmink word pas Christonia gosmink hawatki masin. For many people it seems as a bit like a, a blind leap in the dark. Hawatki shatari hamar da ugaki khavari mech khalel ne word pas kuit as though we're not sure if he's there but you know we're going to believe by faith anyway now of course it is true just as the bible says that faith is being certain of what we do not see but faith is not a blind leap in the dark because the Christian faith is based on this truth that although God cannot be seen he has revealed himself to us so that in one sense we can say he can be seen now three times in the New Testament we have this expression no one has ever seen God but that's not the end of the sentence there's usually a but and it goes on and these verses, these, these three verses, talk about the fact that God can be seen. Past, present, and future. Look at the first one. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God. But Christ, or it says his son, who is the closest to him, he has made him known. Now, of course, uh, we don't just talk about Jesus only for revelation of God. God has shown himself to us in, in other ways as well. First of all, he's shown himself to us through creation. And Paul says in Romans 1, from the very beginning of the creation of the world, <coughs> God's invisible attributes or God's invisible qualities can be seen through what he has made. And, you know, we as Christians, we, we rejoice and we delight in the creation around us. Which is a manifestation of the powers of God that cannot be seen with the human eye, but they can be seen in creation. And I find it interesting that back in the Psalm, Psalm 19, 
But what does it go on to say? It says in verse 3, there's no speech. Nor are there words whose voice and whose voice is not heard. But if you look at verse 4, and uh, there's different ways to translate this from the Hebrew, but verse 4, I'll read it in the way I've got it here. But their voice goes out throughout the throughout all the earth. So you see what it, you see what it's saying here? There aren't any words. It's not it's not saying anything the creation. It's silent. But at the same time, it says their voice is going throughout the whole world. In other words, the fact that it is there is a testimony in itself. So God has revealed himself to us through creation. Just as secondly, God has revealed himself through history. Uh, we believe in the prophets. God's representatives. Bringing God's message to the people. And this has been written down in the scriptures. So that we can say, thirdly, God reveals himself through his scriptures, through his word. Which has been inspired by God's spirit. But we have this final, complete revelation. That the same God who spoke through the prophets, in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. And it's interesting that the Bible uses the word spoken. We, we go back to the beginning of the Bible. God speaks. The creation comes into being. Jesus was there. Because he's the word of God. He's part of God. I mean, the words that I'm speaking now were really uh, part of me. And so God speaks. This happened and that happened and it happened. But how wonderful that that very word that was there from the beginning becomes a human being and lives amongst us. And so Jesus comes and lives amongst us. No one has ever seen God. But 
No, we actually saw it with our own, our own eyes. But what is incredible is that when they said we saw him, they were actually saying we have seen God. Yes, this verse says no one's ever seen him. But when Jesus is talking to the disciples, what does he say? You have seen him. You see, there's, there's almost like a contradiction between John chapter 1 and John chapter 14. Chapter 1, nobody has seen him. Chapter 14, he says, but you've seen him. Because Jesus goes on to say, He who has seen me has seen the Father. And we praise God he came to rescue us through his death on the cross. And he's alive today in order that we might have a relationship with the living God. Now, we, we believe this by faith. And we don't want to be like the people of the time of Jesus. Who said, unless we see signs and wonders, we're not going to believe. We don't want to be like Thomas. Who said, until I've actually seen with my own eyes, I'm not going to believe. So Jesus has to say, blessed are those who have not seen and who have believed. And, uh, you know, maybe there are people today that will say, look, I'm, I'm willing to believe if you uh, show a miracle or if somebody rises from the You remember the story that Jesus told? The rich man who died. He's now in the world of the dead. Lazarus, poor man, has also died. He's up there in heaven. And this man says to Abraham, who's looking after Lazarus up there in heaven, he says, look, look, I got five brothers back home, Mr. Lord. Would you mind sending Lazarus to warn them not to come to the place? 
But Abraham says, look, if they're not willing to believe this book, even if somebody comes alive again from the dead, they're still not going to believe. But Abraham says, yes, We believe these truths by faith. And there's a wonderful verse in Peter that says this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with wonderful joy. And that's true of us here And it's our privilege, not only for us to believe in Christ who is alive today, who reveals the Father to us, and who died on the cross to save us from our sins and who lives today in order to live in our lives but of course we have the privilege of inviting others to believe in him that they might realize that the Christ of faith who is alive today is the Christ of history who 2,000 years ago was here. But how can God be seen today? You see, there's a sense in which what we've been talking about refers to the past, what happened 2,000 years ago. Yes, it is true that Jesus is alive today. And he's able to save us. But there is, is there another sense in which, particularly for now, we can say that God can be seen? Well, let's look at the second verse that's here. And in 1 John chapter 4, uh, in verse 12, it says this. God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So, how can God be seen? The fact that he 
dwells in our hearts as believers. And through our love, one for another, there is a wonderful sense in which God is amongst us and can be seen. You see, John in these verses has been telling us about that uh, God has sent his son. Three times he says it. Verse 9 that he's, he, he sent his son that we might live through him. In verse 10, he sent the Son to be the forgiveness for our sins. And verse 14, he has sent the Son in order to be the Savior of the world. Well, how are people going to know this? God cannot be seen. But when God's love is poured into our hearts and as it flows out from us to others, this becomes a powerful way of demonstrating to the people that God is amongst us. I mean, people want to know if God is alive, where is he, where is he working? And when God's people act as a caring community, and there's there's an atmosphere of unity and love amongst us. It draws people to him. Because who are we? We are God's representatives. He's put us here that we might show Christ. And you remember some of the pictures that God, that Paul uses to demonstrate that. He says we're like perfume that spreads its fragrance. We're like, um, we're like a, a letter that uh, people are reading. They're reading us. And then he says, another picture he uses is he says, okay, our bodies are a bit like a, a jars of clay, jugs of clay. But the treasure of Christ is within us. But it's, it's not just that God wants to work through us as individuals. But he's working through the church. And that becomes a, tr- a powerful testimony. You remember when um, Jesus was uh, washing the feet of the disciples? And uh, they were all very embarrassed. And Jesus said, "Look, I know that I'm your, I'm your Lord. Uh, but I've given you an example to act in the same way that I act." In fact, he says, "I give you a new commandment that you're to love one another." 
which wasn't exactly new because that was already in the old testament but jesus adds something he says you're to love one another in the same way that i have loved you and of course these disciples for the first time had seen what real love really was and then Jesus says look it is in this way that others will know that you are my disciples as though the first method for evangelism isn't preaching or giving out tracts or books but it is through the love amongst God's people that becomes a demonstration that God is here. Of course, God can use all the different means that are being used these days to reach people. In fact, when I went to the back just before Shavarsh was speaking, I just saw this card on the table, which is about the satellite television programs for Iran. And I noticed that they've written there this. Making God's love visible. <laughs> I thought somehow that fits in today's message or not. <laughs> Making God's love visible. And uh, of course it's not just in Persian but of course in Arabic. And, <laughs> and so when people who perhaps in the Middle East have never yet met any Christians when they see some of these church services that are being shown on the satellite television they get a taste that you know, here's God at work and surely that's what God wants us to do is to make his love visible by the love that we have one for another and I think, you know, as I think of the work that we're involved in, whether it be with Iranians or with our Armenian friends, uh, you know, this is what it's about. We've had Iranians who, when they've come for the first time and that they just see what's going on here, in itself is a powerful testimony that there's something special here. Many of you know, for example, Hussein and Baji Khanum are one of the few older couples that we have in our church. They've been here for years. Uh, Vaji, as a, the wife, wouldn't come here for years. And her husband would come on, a, on his own for five or six years. But we were praying for his wife, who was a very committed Muslim, and did her prayers and so on and so on. 
But eventually she came. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the first time she came. When she saw what was going on here. And the way the people received her. Իրանում։ որոնք <laughs> And sense something of the love of God. The God who cannot be seen, but can be seen through our love one for another. But no matter what we do, even with God's strength, it can be no substitute for the real thing. And this expression, no one has ever seen God, is mentioned another time. Because we look forward to a time in the future when we will see God through the revelation of Christ. And so we turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And in verse 16 it says, just read the middle bit in the verse, it says, uh, it's talking about God, the great King, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. It says, whom no one has seen or can see. But look at what it says in verse 14. It talks about the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who will come at the proper time. So, yes, we agree that God cannot be seen. But when Christ comes again, there's a sense in which we will see him. Just as Jesus said, you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. You will see him, says Jesus. And of course he's talking about himself. And uh, when Jesus ascended back to heaven, the angels were there, they said, why are you looking up to heaven? The same Jesus Jesus that is gone from you, he's going to come back And you will see him. We shall see him as he is. 
Now, of course, just as there was in the time of the apostles, there are scoffers around who say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where is this coming that he promised? Եվ ինչպես աշակերտների ժամանակ կան մարտիկ ովքեր թերա հավատ են ծաղրում են ասում են լավ երկրորդ գալուս բայ երբ հանելու որ դեղա երկրորդ գալուս կա 2000 years gone by երկու հազար տարի անցել է ոչ մի երկրորդ գալուս դեռ չի եղել I was speaking this morning from Philippians Արավոտյան ես խոսում եմ Փիլիպեցիների գլխից And Paul says there the coming of the Lord is near Պետրոս արաքյալը այդտեղ ասում է որ տիրոջ գալը մոտիկ է But he's writing this in the first century. But that gets arachin darum. What's happened? Ինչ է կատարվել? 2000 years ago. Երկու հազար տարի անցել է. So it's very easy for people to mock our faith. Շատ հեշտ է մարդկանց ծաղրել մեր հավատքը. And to say wait a minute, he's not coming. Եվ ասել որ Հիսուսը ոչ էլ գալու է. In fact, I remember meeting a lady in Iran, an American Ես հիշում եմ ծանոթացան մի կնոջ հետ ամերիկացի էր իրանում and she said to me he's already come նա ասաց հիսուսը արդեն եկել է երբ է եկել ասացի she said well day of pentecost he came pentecostի օրը նա եկել է well okay yes in a sense he did come on the day ai o կարդա ինչ որ իմ աստով ասել որ հիսուսը եկավ pentecostի օրը the spirit of jesus came հիսուսի հոգին իջավ pentecostի օրը but what did those angels say to the disciples ֆրեշտակները ինչ ասացին աշակերտներին he's going to come back in the same way as he went in other words with the body that he's got նա կվերադառնա նույն ձևով ինչպես նա բարձրացավ համբարձվեց նույն մարմնով but there are some even some christians who think that uh, so many years have gone by no he must have come there pentecost so it's finished կան քրիստոնյաներ ովքեր հավատում են որ այսքան տարի անցել է երբ իրոք հիսուսը եկավ միայն պենտեկոստի միջոցով now isn't it interesting հետաքրքիր է չէ peter wrote his letter 2000 years ago պետրոսը գրեց իր թուղթը 2000 տարի առաջ he said In the last days, is na asats vor verchin oreri entatskum there will be scoffers who will mock your faith. Kadinen martik ovkher kzaghren ko havatka. And they will say, yev kasen, where's the promise of his coming? Ure ir galastian khostuma. And Peter says in response three things. Yev Petros i pataskhan yerek bane asum. These people forget that this is not the first time that God is going to come and judge the world. Այդ մարտիկ ովքեր ծաղրում են մորանում են որ առաջին անգամը չէ երբ աստված գալու է աշխարը դատելու համար He did it in the days of Noah Նոյի ժամանակ դա արեց When everybody was destroyed Վերացրեց բոլորին So it's going to happen again Նույն է ալինելու Then he says secondly Եգորդ ասում է For us 2000 years ago Մեզ համար 2000 տարի անցել է But God is outside of space and time. But Astvat Zamanakits yev Tarakits zertse in a way that I can't understand that. Yes, da chem karak gitaksem yev haskanam. Because we're in space and we're we're in time. Kali vor menk sahmanapakvum enk yev Zamanakov yev Tarakov. But Peter says for God one day a thousand years a thousand years one day. But Petros asme astu hamar 1000 tarin havasare mi orvan yev mi ore havasare 1000 tarun. But then third he says why is Jesus բայց երրորդը պետրոսը պատասխանում է ինչու Հիսուսը չի եկել դեռ And it's really out of God's grace and love why is not Պետրոսը ասում է Հիսուսը դեռ չի եկել աստծո սիրո եւ շնորքի շնորհիվ God is not willing that anybody should perish Աստված չի ուզում որ որևէ մարդ մեռնի He wants people to come to repentance Նա ուզում է որ բոլորը ապաշխարեն 
And when Christ comes, we have that wonderful privilege of being able to see him. That's why it's called the blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. And Paul says it's, it's because of this hope that we've been saved. Because he goes on to say, hope that is seen is no longer hope. For who hopes for what can be seen? He's right. If you can see something, there's no need for any hope anymore. But then Paul says, but we hope for what we do not see. We wait for it with patience. We live by faith and not by sight. He says we fix our eyes on not what is seen. But on what is unseen. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And that's what kept old Moses going. The word of God says he saw him who is invisible. When I feel down, that's a verse that's been of great encouragement to me over the years. Seeing him who is invisible. So, the question as we draw to a close is this. Are we we looking forward to seeing him? (laughs) Of course, John says that uh, when he comes, we shall be like him as he is. But he also says, look, uh, when he does appear, let's have uh, confidence and not shrink back from him in shame at his coming. I mean, for example, if we knew that Christ was going to come tomorrow, what would we do? Maybe we would say, oh Lord, oh Lord, please don't come tomorrow. 
I still got some things to sort out. And so I've always been, as I'm sure like you, I've always found this verse a great challenge. Not to have shame at his coming. Whether it be tomorrow or 50 years time. And of course, John goes on to say, yes, we shall see him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. So, come back to where we started. What did Jesus say? Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. The story is told about this Italian garden, which I may have mentioned before, I can't remember. About this tourist that was visiting a very beautiful garden in Italy. And uh, he recorded his conversation with the gardener. He asked the gardener, he says, how long have you been here? And the gardener says, 25 years. How often has the owner been here to see the gardener? Four times. Uh, when was the last time he came? Twelve years ago. I suppose he writes to you? No, he doesn't. So, uh, who's in contact with you? Where do you get your orders from? The owner has got a representative in Milan. In Milan. Does he often come here? No, never seen him. So, who comes then to look after these things? What are you doing? He says, well, I'm really on my own here. And the tourist says, but look, you look after this garden in such a wonderful way that anybody would think that you were expecting the owner tomorrow. He says, no, sir, today. But he wasn't even thinking about tomorrow. He was thinking about today. Maybe he will come today. Experience showed that he wouldn't come. But he might come. And uh, I have my office at home. 
I have a piece of paper. Which I stuck on the wall in front of me. And I've got these words written on that piece of paper. No, sir, today. Today, however. Father, we realize that uh, as your word says, you are a God who cannot be seen. But we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in very special ways. And we thank you especially for that revelation in Jesus. The Word became flesh, became a human being, lived amongst us. And in Him we can see you. Does your word not say that he is the image of the invisible God? And we thank you that he came in order that we might know you. And so we thank you for his life, for his death, his resurrection, the fact that he is alive today. And through the living Christ, we can come to know you as our personal God. We thank you for the privilege that we have of inviting others to come into that relationship. But Lord, we also thank you for that other way in which we can receive you. And it's our prayer that through our love and acceptance and unity one with another, so people that come amongst us will, will, will realize that it's, it's God who is at work here. And through this love one for another, others will know that we are the disciples of Christ. We know that many people, even whether they're Persians or Armenians, are fed up with religion. We ask, Lord, that you will help us to be a means to be able to show that we, we've been set free from the religions of this world. From the traditions that can hold us back from knowing you. But people might realize that, Father, you, the living God, are at work here through your Holy Spirit. But we also thank you for this wonderful promise that uh, even though you cannot be seen, yet in the day to come, we will, in sense, we will in one sense see you when Jesus comes. Right now we, we live by faith, not by sight. But we thank you for these wonderful promises that we'll be able to see you. 
And Father, it's our prayer that that truth that Christ is coming again will affect the way that we live here today. And just like this gardener, who kept working away at the garden, even though he didn't know when the owner would come, we ask Lord that you will help us in our individual lives to live in such a way that if Christ was to come today or tomorrow we would not be ashamed that he is coming. Father we praise you and we thank you for your love and your grace towards us and for the wonderful joy and the privilege of knowing you and of being able to introduce you to others. We praise you and we thank you for your loving grace. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, there is a song we can sing as we draw to a close. It reminds us that, yes, um, all that we have been talking about is really an evidence of God's grace towards us. Let's stand and sing, shall we? Transgressions who 